Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Lashirut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and Mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. Parshat Mishpatim contains many laws which relate to sustaining a moral and compassionate society. This can be seen in three of the many mitzvot in the Parsha, including how one should relate to the stranger, the widow or orphan, and the poor. We will explore various commentaries to better understand the nature of these mitzvot as core values in the Torah. These mitzvot have a dual purpose, not only to look out for the most vulnerable in society, but also to awaken compassion and empathy within those who can protect them. This message is particularly resonant right now in Israeli society, as this week another woman, Diana Raz, was murdered by her husband. After these insights into the Parsha, I will interview the wonderful Tzilit Jacobson, chairwoman of the board of Bat Melech, an organization which provides assistance to abused Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox women to help raise awareness about this unfortunately relevant topic. So back to Parshat Mishpatim. In Shemot chapter 22, it states, You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Why does the Torah single out the stranger? And why does it relate this mitzvah to our past experience as strangers in Egypt? The Talmud in Bava Metzia teaches that the Torah instructed us in how to treat a stranger 36 times. The Torah goes out of its way to emphasize the importance of looking out for those who others might take advantage of. The Minchat Chinuch further elucidates this mitzvah and its relationship with our past experience. The Torah gives the reason for the command, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt, It thereby reminds us that long ago we were scorched by that great pain that comes upon every person who sees himself among alien people in a foreign land. Remembering the great anxiety we felt in the past will move us to compassion for every person in a similar situation. The Minchat Chinuch emphasized that this mitzvah is meant not only to protect the vulnerable, but also to evoke compassion within us. Rashi explains the reminder that we were strangers once, too, as a reminder not to hold ourselves up over other people. You think you are not vulnerable now, but don't forget that once you were. Rashi states, If you oppress him, he can oppress you back by saying, You also descend from strangers. In the second mitzvah, which we are talking about today, we will see that a similar idea is expressed with regard to the widow and the orphan. The Torah commands us, You shall not ill-treat any widow or orphan. If you do mistreat them, I will heed their outcry as soon as they cry out to me, and my anger shall blaze forth. And I will put you to the sword, and your own wives shall become widows and your children orphans. The language here, too, was noted by the commentaries. Why is there a singling out of the widow and orphan here? Should we not refrain from oppressing anyone and everyone? Rashi teaches, Hu hadin l'chol adam, 
אלא שדיבר הכתוב בהווה, לפי שהם תשושי כוח ודבר מצוי לענותם. This is the law regarding everyone, but the Torah is speaking particularly of what usually happens, and therefore mentions these in particular, for they are the weak in defense of power, and it is a frequent occurrence for people to afflict them. The Ramban connects the mitzvah not to oppress widows and orphans to the mitzvah not to oppress strangers, and sees in both of these their unique vulnerability within society. In both cases, he sees that the people, that these people would be more easily hurt, that they would be more easily abused and taken advantage of, the widows, the orphans, and the strangers, because they don't have protectors. God warns that God is their ultimate protector, and we must remember to protect them as well. One more significant interpretation is brought by, Menacham, by Nechama Leibowitz on the Parsha. She notes the change of language in the verses on the widow and the orphan as moving from plural to singular and back to plural. In response to this, Ibn Ezra comments, If a person oppresses and there is no helper, the punishment comes to everyone. The Torah teaches that even if we are not the perpetrator of the mistreatment, but we just don't come to the aid of those who are being mistreated, we too are culpable. A moral, just, and compassionate society requires collective and communal responsibility for the weak and vulnerable. With regard to the poor, our third group, Parshat Mishpatim interestingly discusses how one should behave when lending money to the poor. Some commentaries understand this as an obligation to lend money and to help support the poor. The Sifra Midrash on the Book of Vayikra provides insight into how best to help the poor. It likens helping those in need to a load on the back of a donkey. If the load starts to fall off of the donkey, it is a lot easier to pick it up before it falls all the way down. However, once it falls all the way to the ground, it requires more hands and help to lift it up. It is important to help the poor before a person is brought so low to the point of shame and embarrassment and where it will be much more difficult to recover. These sources taken together provide guidance and insight into how to look out for the weak and vulnerable in society. They emphasize that in protecting, rather than mistreating the stranger, widow, orphan, and the poor, we are following in God's ways, the ultimate protector. We are awakening compassion within us. We are also reminding ourselves not to think we are better off, as we too were once vulnerable and oppressed. We have an obligation as a community to look out for those in need without bringing any shame upon them. Today, there are various people who are in greater need during this pandemic, but perhaps the most vulnerable right now are the women in unsafe relationships. It is therefore our duty as a community and a society to help find them and lift them up before they fall too low. In order to raise awareness about this important topic, stay tuned for my interview with Lee Jacobson coming up soon. Shabbat Shalom. Silit Jacobson is a longtime social activist and philanthropist. Silit is the current chairperson of Bat Melech, an organization that operates shelters and provides mental and legal help to female victims of domestic violence in the Orthodox community. She joined Bat Melech's legal department in 2013, and in 2015, she joined the board of directors and was elected chairperson, a role she passionately fulfills. Silit graduated from the prestigious Faculty of Law at Bar-Ilan University with an expertise in family law and mediation. Silit is a mother of eight and together with her husband, Mayer, focused their philanthropy on women's rights, health, and education. 
Heitzilit, thank you so much for joining us. It's really wonderful to have you here. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So the news of the, that we heard this week of the violent murder of Diana Raz in Israel is very upsetting. And in particular because Diana Raz worked as a relationship mentor and coach to help women avoid abusive relationships after escaping one herself. Uh, I have two parts to my question for you. First, we don't know, and we may never know the details um, about what happens in that relationship, but how do we make sense of the seeming disparity, the seeming difference between what looks like a happy, healthy relationship in the photos from the outside, and yet which ended so violently and tragically? So that's my first part. And the second part I wanna ask you is, what do you see in terms of the difference between uh, various sectors of Israeli society with regard to domestic abuse and violence? Well, first of all, again, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to speak with you. I identify with the terrible pain uh, of the family that is suffering. Daily in Batmelech shelters, we assist and huge brave lions' mother that saved themselves and the children. And that is a pain that one you cannot get used to. But along with that tremendous pain come a huge hope with our hope that reality can, that reality can be changed, that it's possible to give hope for a different future. And that is our responsibility. And I come to you today with that perspective. You know, at the, at the base of a violent relationship, there is a big hidden secret. In many cases, there is a large gap, as you said, between what appears calm and beautiful sometime on the outside and the secret, the horror behind the closed door at home. This gap is very confusing for both the women living with this relationship and also for us, the communities that surrounded her. The woman may think to herself, who will believe me? He may be a respected do a doctor, a lawyer, a rabbi, a well-known respected in our community. And many years ago, I remember the first time I uh, arrived at Batmelech shelter. I opened the big green grate and I entered and I entered the kindergarten in the shelter. And my initial shock of seeing children who look exactly as my own one, that uh, I dropped off an hour before at school, before Corona, many years ago. And to see the women, and that is not how I imagine a better woman look like. Mm -hmm. She's looking like you, she's looking like me, and that's, that, that is the face of violence. The women are just like us. And the fear and the embarrassment and the feeling of failure. And who will believe me? All of this feeling is what is keeping women behind closed doors. And this is our task, to be there for these women and to open the door for them. Violence, as you said, violence is violence. I'm getting to your second part of the question. Violence is violence. 
and it across all sectors and classes with no difference between social economy levels. Academics, women who are academics with high degree level and those who due to violence were not able to work. Every woman living within a violent relationship needs, and we have to understand it, need tremendous strength to get out of the relationship. Once they recognize the relationship, they have to, they need to have the knowledge of who to turn to for help and the eventual courage to do so. When relating to women in religious and ultra-Orthodox communities sector, the walls are even higher. As these are subjects which are taboo and they are forced to sweep them and most of the time under the rug. The family, the fear that the family named and reputations, we have to preserve them. So not to impact on the shiduchim and not to hurt, you know, the children's future. The feeling of failure, shlom bait, I felt. And the embarrassment within a close community where it's not acceptable to wash the dirty laundry outside. And this will tend to turn to less social services. And in addition, keep in mind that many of these women are less aware of information and social media. And therefore, it is more difficult to reach for them. That is that violence is violence. But we have to understand the difficulties and the challenges. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is so powerful and it's amazing. It really relates to some of the things I spoke about in my um, Parsha um, ideas where I really talked about how in Parshat Mishpatim, the way we treat the vulnerable, one of the things the commentaries emphasize is how much we, we have been vulnerable in our past when we were in Mitraim and how much it can relate to everyone and that there's a responsibility on everyone to understand that, to look out for the for the people in need of protection so our responsibility yes yes um and some of us like you are doing so much so we're very grateful um what what can we do both to raise awareness and um and to help protect those at risk but engraved on her heart and as a mission, in addition to saving the women and their children to, who arrived, in addition to the women who arrived to our shelters, mm-hmm. to raise awareness, to speak out of the, subject, of the subject within the community, to speak before rabbis and rabbitson, and in appropriate media, of course, and give lecture to young girls, to the staff, to balaniot, to bride and groom advisor, and to confront directly a, a women in creative ways. You know, many ask me, um, is there a way to know? Um, to, is it possible to identify in advance? And I say in the name of the women, in their own words, if only I had known, if only someone had told me, and I believe that the earlier one we recognize the warning signs of abusive relationship, it will be easier to treat it. Mm-hmm. 
and not to allow the situation to become worse. That's why we're talking about the warning sign. And um, due to the lack of time, yes. I will do it shortly, yes. if it's okay. Yes. Um, and I will go on to speak of the main signs. Mm -hmm. So if someone listening to us, and it sounds familiar, she know what I'm talking about. You know, inside, she know it, she feels it. Mm -hmm. Please, you're not alone. Go to consult, get advice, check things out, and do not be afraid to ask. And the first thing is the social isolation. A violent man tends to isolate the woman, his wife, his partner, from her family and friends, and in, that's in order to strengthen his control and her dependence upon him. Unfortunately, the process is a slow one. So we, it's not from one to ten. It mm -hmm. takes time. And it can begin by presenting the woman's family in bed light and to prevent her from, and then preventing her from uh, uh, appearing for family events. And I remember one, uh, um, well, I know I'm talking to you and I see them in front of my eyes. Yes. And uh, the first time she was able to share her horror story with her brothers, mm. with her family was when she was uh, sitting uh, Shiva mm. on her mother. That's the first time she was alone and she was able to share her story. And she, she, got, she arrived at the shelter immediately after the Shiva. Wow. So that, uh, we should know it. Uh, exaggerate uh, jealousy and ownership can be interpreted in a uh, you know, courtship. And the husband may begin uh, determining what she is to wear, how to put on her makeup, and demand his permission for each step she takes. A possessive one. An, op an uh, obsessive behavior and in order to control her. Mm -hmm. Demanding reports as her uh, whereabouts at every moment with whom she spoke, with whom she met, following her asking for a password, you know, for her uh, uh, Facebook, you know, or phone or email, and uh, ask her, demand her to uh, remote, uh, remove people from her contact list. And she's doing it. Wow. So you don't have to, um, you know, to follow, in, to follow her in dark streets. You can do it in her computer. And, um, of course, uh, threats, if he's threatening her, that uh, her or her uh, relative, mm -hmm. or even him, if you will leave me, I will die. Mm -hmm. I can't live one moment without you. That's not love. That's not love. And if he, you know... Sometime he will ask, and after that, he will ask for forgiveness. And he will buy her presents and promising her to change. But he will say, look what you caused me to do. It is your fault. It's your responsibility. I love you so much. It's your responsibility. 
and the woman will often begin to believe that she is responsible for his action. And you know, you can hear me and said, no, I would have recognized it. I, I feel that something is wrong here. But no, when you're trapped in this abusive relationship, as I said, it's so hard and you need so much courage to recognize and to say, yeah, that is my story. Me. Me. I can have a very uh, uh, respectable uh, job and be educated. But this is my story. This is my life. And we have to learn not to judge her because she judged herself enough mm-hmm. and she stayed there. And of course, the fear, the fear, the fear of his arriving home, the fear of his uh, outburst, which cannot be foreseen. And I remember I have another example You know, one woman, she came to our shelter. She arrived with two kids. Sometimes they arrive with 10 and they are pregnant and having babies while they're in our shelters. She came with two little uh, kids. And I remember her story. She said one day she did not recognize. It was a terrible story, but she did not recognize uh, the story that this is her life, that she is living in in a violent uh, relationship. But uh, she remember one Shabbat, uh, uh, her husband came from the shul and he opened the door. And then she saw her girl, her daughter. She was in the first grade. She was standing like a soldier, uh, holding her breath. And she saw her face, her daughter's face. And at that point, she understand what is going on. And she, she said, I have to save her. I don't want her to become me. And she arrived at the shelter. And the last last point, in a violent and obsessive relationship, and it doesn't have to be in violence, it's not uh, have to be a physical one, as we know. If you want to separate, don't do it alone consult first it is important that you don't endanger yourself so that, that is a very important point and for last the you know the warning lights have two functions one for the women themselves that they should be identified their life and that as, as i said it takes time to are able to ask for help don't afraid consult there are open uh, helplines, and I can give our number, our Batmelech's uh, hotline at the end. But also for us, not only for the women in the violent relationship, for us, her family, her community, for us, the society. If you think someone is in this relationship, don't ignore. You can call and ask for advice how to do it. Get Ask, tell her, you're important for me. I'm worrying. I'm here for you. And then ask her or advise her to go for professional 
consolation. Don't be alone. And this is our responsibility. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you for these practical and um, this practical information. It's uh, very, very important and very helpful, um, I believe. And in relating to the very powerful story you told about the woman who looked at her daughter on Shabbat morning and said, okay, you know, for her, she saw it in her daughter. I want to lead into my third and final question. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll devote this answer in memory of Diana Raz um, and uh, the terrible tragedy. Can you give us some guidance as, let's say, parents or educators? Um, what should we would be looking for to help them navigate, our children navigate uh, red flags in their dating experience? And, um, and basically, how can we give good guidance to our children in, in seeing these signs, warning signs, as you called them, before it's too late? You know, as a mother of four sons and four daughters, um, and a grandmother, wow. <laughs> uh, I understand and connect uh, to your question from, you know, from my bottom of my heart. Our biggest fears and prayers is that our children should be healthy, happy, and that we will know how to direct them. And in addition to prayers, that is first and foremost, we have, to, we have the responsibility to speak out, to talk to them. First of all, and to educate, to educate uh, both our daughters and our sons, not only our daughters. First of all, before talking and i believe that before talking of the uh, of the fear and the bad relationship there is a need to speak of the basis for good relationship love good friendship and mutual respect that is the base for emphasis that the majority will be good despite the fact that we are impacted by the news which is flooding us with horror story we need to find the balance without fearing. And I allow myself to say this, despite the fact that I'm breathing the shelter 24-7 and answer the emergency call line of Atmelech at night and my children are aware of what their mother is doing. Mm -hmm. But we cannot allow up to color all our lives with fear. So that is the first, uh, you know, yeah. the first thing, it, it's very important. Yeah. But then, when we are speaking of traveling signs, it is important that in our home, there are no taboos. In our home, we speak about, we can speak and ask about everything. That is the sort to look for answers in different places and not to leave question marks unanswered. That is our responsibility. Often, there are fear that that they will hear, we will hear, we told you so, we told you not to go out with him. Or we spoke with you about it and you told us it is okay. While in truth, it was the opposite, of course, true. And who will believe me? And sometimes our daughter will think, who will believe me? Everyone asked me and I said, it's okay. And everyone is waiting for the wedding. And it is an amazing shidduch. And how can I be questioning it? 
And you know, recently uh, uh, I have received, we have received to our hotline many calls, not only from uh, w- the women themselves, but only, but uh, also from the parents who are feeling that something is happening with the daughters. Something yeah. is wrong. And we feel it as parents, yes. mother and father. All the more complicated by dating during Corona and the last. And it's very, of yeah. course. Yes. Absolutely. And they're feeling something is wrong, but they don't know how to approach her. And not to, dis- uh, you know, not to disconnect themselves by accident, not to say the wrong thing. And as parents, we don't have all the answers. And we, all, and we often also need to consult with professionals and to ask for help. Our, us, the parents, ask for help, for advice. And uh, always, you know, we pray to have the right words for our children. But the message is, we are here for you. Keep the door open. Mm-hmm. And we are not giving up on you. We are not giving up on you. And it is very easy to say, but it's so hard, so hard and so difficult. When you see your daughter, you see, you know, the lights, the warning sign. They're shining. And she said, it's okay. Don't interrupt. It's okay. It's my business. I know. And you know it's not good. You feel it. Get advice. Go seek for professional help to guide you what to say and how to say it. And to keep the door open. Always. Always. And you know, for in the end, um, I thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you. And I think that it's our responsibility, our, as society, as community, as family, as parents, all of us, that in order the women will reach out their hands for help, despite the difficulties we talked about it and the fear and the shame, they need to know that we are there for them. And that is our role. So thank you, Karen, very, very much for this conversation. I thank you for the opportunity. And I pray we will be shlichim letov. We will do good. Amen. Well, thank I know you. That I thank you because I know that you are a Shlichalatov. And um, the work of Bat Melech is incredible. I encourage listeners to look into the organization and to know about it. And we're very blessed that it exists and can help us and help people who especially need it, women, if, families. Who need if, it. I, if I can give you our number of our hotline yes. for advice, uh, okay, 24 7 a social worker to give advice, emotional support, and a lawyer, yeah, mm-hmm. and also a lawyer who can give advice. And the, our number is 1800 
So you are not alone and we are there for you. Don't be ashamed. It's not your fault. Talk about it. Talk about it. Such important message. Thank you very much. Especially for Parshat Mishpatim. So thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikveh as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikveh relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Edison Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedincenter.com.